0: 21 to when I think about this passage, it convicts me on a way down the street. I heard him talk to that the microphone. microphone. Oh, oh. Do you see it? It's before. not that pointed. The stone and the hall was dragged outside of the city. It helped with a bunch of rocks by a bunch of people. And uh, I got up and back to the city. And then the next day, he went to another city. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lister and Iconium and Antioch and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Good morning, church. If you're busy with us today, thank you so much for coming our way. And we'd like to ask that you will stay around a few moments after our services so that we might get to know you a little better. And thank you for uh, being here today. I understand that this is uh, Thanksgiving week, and many of you are visiting family. And we do thank you for being with us. I also want to thank all those who who came up uh, to the building yesterday. I think we counted in the picture about somewhere in the mid-60s, so that was a great number. So we want to thank you for doing that. Also, uh, due to inclement weather on Wednesday, we were not able to have services, and so that was normally when we pick up the, those items to be fixed for Saturday, and so we had to change that to Thursday, and many of you came and picked those up, and we thank you for doing that and for fixing those items, and I know that the many plates that were fixed uh, really benefited those who they were delivered to I know those of us who were able to spend time together serving in that way was a benefit to us as well. So thank you so much for that. I want to encourage you if you're traveling this week to be as safe as possible and to uh, remember all the things that we are thankful for. I also want to remind you and invite you if you're going to be here this Wednesday night, we will not have Bible classes. We will all meet here in auditorium, And we're going to do something a little different than we normally do. We normally have a a couple of speakers, uh, one or two, but this time... We're asking about four or five guys, and all we've asked them to do to give us three minutes of Thanksgiving wisdom. So we're going to sing some songs, and we're going to hear uh, some wisdom from these men. And I know that uh, you will be blessed as a result of being here. So if you're going to be in town this week, we want to encourage you to be here this week tonight at 7 p.m. Michael, thank you for your passion, your challenge. You know, I, I was thinking as Michael was challenging us that maybe you've seen the commercial. Uh, it, it's about ordering contacts for, for whatever reason. Uh, but in that commercial, there's something that catches my eye. Uh, the lady, she's frantic. Uh, she has her computer open to her calendar. All around the room, there are post-it notes <clears throat> with with things on there, items that she has to do. And, and she's thinking about ordering when am I going to order my contacts? And then it looks down to the calendar on her desk, and it is absolutely full. And she thinks, where am I going to order this? Oh, I can't do this today. I have to take the cat in the pursuits. And then the whole purpose of the, of the commercial is that don't worry about planning it, just order no wine. is And I don't know about you, but I'm guilty of sometimes walking in this building with 10 million things on my mind and not sometimes (coughs) forgetting the very people we're here. So Michael, thank you for that challenge. Today's lesson is going to be a little bit different than normal. Uh, uh, what I mean by that is uh, this lesson is primarily uh, one of educational purposes. As we think about leaders, and primarily we're thinking about elders of the church... And we want to look at those qualifications in Scripture, what uh, the New Testament ter- church did in order to choose men to become elders. Now, we know leadership is important. I mean, whether it's a nation, whether it's a business, whether it's a sports team, whether it's a school, whether it's a church, leadership is absolutely important for that organization. We've seen presidents over the years who have lied about certain things, even committed acts of adultery and lied about it. We have seen presidents lie about other things and and later get caught happening. But we've also seen men who have stood under the pressure of that position. We've seen businessmen in the entertainment world over the last few years in other aspects, we've seen coaches who have done things and taken advantage of the people they were put in charge of and done things contrary to that business, that school, or that team. We've also seen over the years, men in leadership positions in the church do things contrary to the standard of that particular church and its beliefs, and therefore we have to step down. So we've seen over the years both good leadership and not so good leadership, but it has shown us the importance of leadership. And so this morning we're going to look back in Scripture, and we're going to notice some of those qualifications that the the early church, uh, that was commissioned to the early church when they were looking for men to serve in the capacity of leaders of those particular congregations. To see what kind of men they look for, what qualified them, what their responsibility to that congregation was, and what the congregation's responsibility was to them. When we look at these scriptures, we will then also apply them to us. That as we think about names, to put in the box out here, over the next week, I want you to think and pray about these qualifications. I want you to think about the men in this congregation to meet these qualifications, pray about them, and write it down on the paper, sign it, put it in the box. Whether today, Wednesday night, next Sunday, or if you want to come by, as Herbert said, every week to the office. But keep in mind, Thursday and Friday office will be a load of lots best the morning. I do also hope that as we look at these qualifications, and at the end of the lesson, I want us to look at our responsibility, and I hope that that will be motivation for us as we think about men to lead us, but also as we live our lives so that their jobs might be useful. So I want us to, first of all, turn to a couple of passages of Scripture. First of all, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now, we'll also notice as we look at some of these passages of Scripture that it's obvious that... God, when He decided to have people leave the congregations, that He mentioned elders, the plurality of men. We, I think about passages of Scripture like Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. When Paul was in Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders, plural, of the church. Now that's kind of what God had in mind, that a plurality of men would leave the congregation. But I also want us to notice some terms in Scripture. Uh, some Greek terms and what they mean in English. First of all, we'll have the Greek word, present. Uh, most times, this is translated elder in Scripture, like we saw in Acts chapter 20 and verse 17. And then the next couple words are found, and we'll read this in a minute, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Uh, that's the Greek word, episkopos which is translated overseer, or like in the New King James Version in 1 Timothy 3, is translated bishop. It also, in that particular time, could refer to an individual that served in the capacity of like a uh, superintendent. And so we have uh, that idea of what a leader is. And then we have the Greek word appointment That is translated in the English word shepherd. And that idea of overseer and shepherd is found in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, <laughs> overseer, or and shepherds. The shepherd, the the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood. I want us to notice in two passages of Scripture here, in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and also in Titus chapter 1, I want us to notice the qualifications that Paul lists to these two men that they are to look for and men that fall under these qualifications. 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes, This is a faithful saying. This is a trustworthy saying. If a man desires or aspires to the position of a bishop or an elder or an overseer, He desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his house well, his children sufficiently with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, How will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, but being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are on the the outside, lest he fall fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Also, Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. Paul says, For this reason, I love to decree that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I command you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of disposition or insubordination. for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self control holding fast the faithful word asking has been taught, that he may be able to, uh, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to make those who contradict. And so I want us to look at uh, these qualifications. It's interesting that several individuals that I read listed some, listed some of them as a positive list, and then listed some as a negative list, and then they're listed some as a special list. And so let's look at the positive things first. He says the individual must be blameless or above reproach, uh, not able to be accused of being wrongdoing. Now this doesn't necessarily mean that uh, the individual is perfect or never makes mistakes, but an imposter man who is morally fit, uh, someone who is dependable and of good judgment. And then Paul uses terms like temperate and sober-minded. Temperate means being able to control themselves. Uh, he would also say that in uh, also sober-minded. Being able to be free when it's appropriate to have fun and when it's appropriate and it's time to be serious. They're that kind of person. Uh, Paul uses terms like a good behavior. The English Standard Version would say respectable. One who knows how to act. Someone who is well-respected and well-directed, someone said. Someone who loves is righteous, one who is free of disorder or confusion, and one who is well-behaved and follows the law. Paul used the term like a uh, one who is willing to open up their home and, and entertain people or welcome people and have people visit in their home, but it also means one who is courteous or friendly or kind. Paul used the term also, going back to temperate and self-minded, connected there, the term of being self-controlled. Uh, having his self, uh, both its feelings and its emotions and his actions all under control. Someone said it this way. Able to control his tongue, able to control his eyes, able to control his hands and all his desires. Paul mentions words like just. He treats everyone justly. Uh, especially those in the church. He deals with everyone fairly and in an upright way. That's the kind of men that the New Testament church was encouraged to look for. Paul said, look for those men who are whole. A lover is what is good, he says in Titus, Titus 1 and verse 8. A person who lives a hundred life. One who is right with God. And Paul also says another positive thing is that they have a good report among those who are on the outside. So it's not only men that Uh, we think a lot of, or has a good report among those of the church, but also those who are on the outside. And why? So they can also set an example there. So they give the face of what our church is all about, or what the New Testament church is about. His character is such as those from the outside of the church, they also speak well. And so these are some of the positive qualities. Paul lists when he says, Look for these kind of men. But notice some of the negative qualities that he is. when we say negative that things that he's not to do. He's not to be given to wine. He's not to be a drunkard. This word also appears with the idea he's not to be abusive or quarrelsome. Paul would list those words in particular as well. He's not to be violent. And not to be a quick tempered man. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? what it would be like to follow a particular man. Paul said he's not to be a quick He's not to be one who is ready to take offense to others. At anything, at any word or any accusation, he's not ready to take offense with others. Here's an important one. Not greedy for money. But gentle. Gentle means peaceful and pleasant, polite. Not a lover of money, he, he says in the English standard version. Not one whose highest goal is to achieve wealth. Now, that doesn't mean that the person can't be wealthy. That just means that his highest goal is not to be wealthy. Not quarrelsome. Not one who loves strife. Not one who has a contentious spirit. Not someone who's always ready to contend or argue or fight over unimportant matters is Paul says it's not to be a covetous man. It's very similar to that uh, the idea of being a lover of money. Hebrews chapter 13, and verse 5, the Bible says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Now he's saying that of all Christians. But Paul says, listen, this is the kind of person that is to be a leader, is not to be and He is to be content with such things. Not someone who is self-willable. Who is arrogant or always self-seeking or always seeking to please themselves or what they want. You've seen those kind of people. It's their way or the highway, right? And Paul said, that's not the kind of person that you are to see. And then he says, not a quick-tempered person, and we've talked about this, not someone who's always angry or hot-headed. Uh, not someone who's always quick to find the heavy. We know those kind of people. And not someone who makes rash statements or judgments. And then Paul this some. Uh, special qualifications. He says he is to be the husband of one wife. Now, there's been a lot of uh, different thoughts on this, but I'm going to share with you some things that, that I found that it seems that what Paul is talking about here, he's talking about a person, from what I can gather and what I can read, he's talking about a person who has been faithful or is faithful to his wife. Most commentators believe he was originally talking about not a person who practiced or lived in polygamy. You'll also remember that in Jesus' day, the Jewish men, Matthew chapter 19, they were wanting to divorce their wives for any reason. And so Paul likely is saying, listen, you're not looking for a man who has been divorced and married several times. That's not the kind of man that that you need to look for. It doesn't seem to refer to, though, a man who was in office and his wife has passed away and in, in, in years. So Paul says he should be the husband of one wife. He should have believing children. The, the elder is to have his child or children, and most people believe, seem to think that it wasn't really the importance of the number, but that they, they were believing. They were faithful to God, to his church. The Bible says that Paul says that he should be able to teach. Titus chapter 1 and verse 9 says this, holding fast, hanging on to the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able to, by sound doctrine, both exhort, to build up, to challenge, to encourage, and to convict those who contradict. The elder must be one who is able to teach Individual the basis, one-on-one, but also in a group. And then Paul rounds all these qualifications out by saying he's not going to be a novice. Don't look for someone who has just become a Christian. Not someone who is a babe in Christ. For the Bible teaches that babes in Christ, what, they desire sincere milk. They desire milk, and they're not able to chew on the deeper things of the Word. says, so that they will not become to pride the cause of their religion. So Paul encourages Timothy and Titus. When you're looking for men, look for men that fall under these categories. They meet these criteria. Someone also said that there's some of those that they need to possess now and some of them, they're growing. They're developing. It doesn't mean they have them fully grasped, but they're working. There are those of meaning, those are the kind that we should look for. Turn it over in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, and then we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 5. I want us to notice here the responsibilities of the elders. Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 27. And we'll notice here some of their responsibilities, both in Acts chapter 20 and 1 Peter chapter 5. In Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 27, the Bible says, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. The church is important, by the way. For I know that, I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, that's the church. Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone, night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you as an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted, I have coveted no one's silver, gold, or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who were with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that He said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And here we find where Paul urges elders to pay attention to their own spiritual bodies. Do you realize that a lot of times when you're leading a group of people in a spiritual way, that it's very easy to focus so much on their spiritual lives and conditions and forget your own. And Paul says, listen, take heed. You pay attention to your own spiritual lives and spiritual tradition as well as that of the flock, the church that you're leading. Only as faithful as the elders are, and they expect those in the church to be So when we're thinking about an elder, it needs to be one who is mindful of their own mm. spiritual condition is as well as those around them mm. because the church will never arise above the church. In whatever capacity that be, the church Will never rise above its leaders. And number one on that list is spirit. Paul says for the elders that they need to oversee and shepherd the flock. As overseers, they are to keep watch to make sure things are done right. Verse 31, he says, Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. He was concerned about the church. And that's what an elder should do. Verse 35, he said, I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. So the elders are charged to support those who are weaker. As shepherds, they are to shepherd the church by making sure they are fed and nourished the Word of God. You see, the elders have a right to ask me or any other preacher to preach on certain things. They have a right to make sure in our Bible classes that certain things are being taught and being covered. Because they're charged with making sure the flock, the church, is fed the Word of God. Verse 29 of Acts chapter 20, he says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing flock. Paul was concerned and he charged the elders, you watch out for those who will come in and tear up the verse thirty says, "Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, and draw, seeking to draw away disciples after themselves." And Paul charged the elders, "Watch out for those. Watch out for Turn over to First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five. Now let's notice quickly here what else Paul says or Peter says the possibility of the elders. 1st Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. The elders who are among you I exhort. I am a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ and also a partaker of the agony that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And Peter said, listen, you shepherd the flock because you follow the example of the chief shepherd. The elders are to care for the group that they're leading. They're happy to have a love and concern for them, to watch over them, to watch over the weak. Maybe that's why James James chapter 5, verse 14. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, I heard a preacher say one time, listen, uh, instead of calling the preacher all the time, call the elders. Now, most preachers do not mind being called. Most preachers do not mind coming and praying over. But let's never forget the power of the position, the importance of the position, of the eldership, of the shepherds. Of the bishops, of the overseers, being called to pray over those overseen. Paul says the attitude of being shepherd or overseer is not by compulsion, but willing. One who desires or aspires to the office of an elder, Paul said, to him, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Someone who eagerly wants to be that kind of leader. But realize is also the importance, the it. challenge, because Peter says, "Not one that would lord it over them." Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter twenty? He told the disciples to himself, and he said, "This. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles they lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to no great among you, let him be your." Listen, I've seen our prisoners serve food. I've seen them work around this building and serve in a many different ways. And when they do that, they're saying, listen, this is an important event. This is an important activity. Serving is something we want the congregation to do and be a part of. And when they serve by action, they're setting an example. And Peter says, we are to follow that example. They set an example by the way they live and the way they conduct themselves. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7, I want to share with you a couple of scriptures here, verses here. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follows, considering the outcome of their conduct. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. The elders have authority to do whatever is necessary to perform the work or works of the church and its functions. The functions that they have been given. They have the right to request the help of the members because they've been given that authority. They have the right to employ outside help if that's necessary for carrying on the work of the church. They also have authority over the preacher and over all the ministers and staff. They have the authority to decide uh, for the betterment of the church when it's time for those ministers or those staff members to move on to other works. They've been given that I know our time is about it. but so I want to do something a little bit busy. Before we look back at even chapter 13 and think about real quickly our responsibility to the elders, I just want to have uh, our elders come, from, come up front for just a minute uh,
1: because most of you know them, but many of you may
0: not. Uh, Adam Coleman, Albert Grumble, Donnie Dean. Eddie Harden. And <laughs> Martin uh, Don't be shy. Don't be i up. I just want you guys to know we're not aware who our elders who our present fathers are. And as we've thought about these qualifications, I hope that you've been moved by the challenge of the qualifications these men must meet. In order to lead us. And I want to just, as we, as these men are thinking about adding additional pillars, as you think about presenting those names, as these men will in prayer spend time meeting with these individuals, praying with these individuals and about these individuals, because they have been charged to oversee our souls. I want to pray on every hand. Holy Father, I thank you for this man. I thank you for the way they have lived their lives to qualify themselves for this position. Father, we know that this is a difficult task. It's not easy. There's really not been any uh, instructions or, or <clears throat> other than these qualifications that we've been given. Of really all the things to do and how to handle all sorts. Because they've been bombarded with them. It's so easy, Father. When we don't like something, we take it to them. We let them know. But Father, I want to pray for these I want to thank you for their willingness and their desire to aspire to this position. Father, to take on this task and this responsibility that you have given them. Father, I pray that you will bless them with wisdom. I pray that you will bless them with wisdom with vision. I pray that as they study the scriptures, that they will continue to grow in the knowledge of you and of your word and of our Savior Jesus Christ. Bless them, Father, as they do And Father, now as we begin to think real briefly about our responsibility, Father, that you will bless us as we seek new men to serve in this capacity, that they will rise to the top in our minds and in hearts, and that you will guide us to... They might be added to this one. Oh, I thank you Jesus in Jesus Amen. chapter 13, we mentioned also in responsibility of the elders to the church, but I want you to notice real briefly a couple of things of our responsibility to them.
1: We as members of the congregation
0: are called to love and respect the elders. We may not always agree with their decisions. But we need to remember they give an account to the oversight of our And so we need to love and respect them as well as their position, their discernment, and their willingness to take on the chapters to look out for us. We also as followers of their instructions and their examples we're followers of them because they will give an account of how they've watched out ourselves. Can you imagine the that this wants to be? Folks, that's a huge task. But it's me But I'm thankful that we have the men that we have that have been willing to die. I want to encourage other men that are sitting out there this morning. This is a great challenge. But you have great men that will walk with you and will help you. And we as a congregation, though we're not perfect, though we don't always understand decisions, we want to encourage you that we will stand behind us. And we will follow. We will try to live in accordance, by your example, in accordance to the word of God. Paul also would tell Timothy, in um, the book of 1 Timothy chapter 5, that elders are worthy of double honor. And most most people that I read said in addition to the honor and respect that Paul might be indicating that you know, if it's needful to carry on the work, then it would be okay to pay a man in that position to accomplish the work of the church. You see, that's the goal. That's the goal. And that would be their desire. In closing, I want to share with you something that the White Eisenhower wrote. In order to be a leader, a man must have followers. And to have followers, a, must, a man must have their confidence. Hence the supreme quality of a leader is unquestionable integrity. Without it, no real success is possible. No matter whether it is on a section game, on a football field, in the in an army, or in an office. If a man's associates find him guilty of phoniness, if they find that he lacks forthright integrity, he will fail. His teachings and his actions must square with each other. The first great need, therefore, is integrity. And so our challenge is, as we think about these types of things, we will think about it, those who fall under the qualification that all this, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1 and the responsibilities of them and for ourselves found in 1 Peter chapter 5 and Hebrews chapter 13. Let us read these this week. Meditate on them. Think on them. Pray over them. Think about men who will fall under these provocations. Let's pray about them and add that to their so that our church, our president, can be able to go along the process. Pray about that this week. What is happening we have a challenge of lies before us. Today, if you're not a Christian, it's our prayer that outside of Jesus Christ there's no one in heaven. And that you will give your life to Jesus. So that your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, why life you be related to the church. Have you done that today? It's our prayer that you do. That you will humble yourself and be buried with Christ and baptism to, to rise and runs of life. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're you're taking time out of your week. We be thankful for things. Maybe you're visiting with family. Maybe you have some great, great pains and some great, great sorrows and you If you're not a member of this church, we want you to know. Maybe you grew up in this church and you're here. We want you to know we still are a part of the family and a part of your family, and you're a part of our family. Whatever your need is, it's going. We want to help you. We want to pray with you. We want to walk with you. Amen. Whatever your need is to the Lord today, Maybe you can respond to his. We asked you to this.